Hello, and welcome to the 1L2N Podcast. I am Amy, and we are joined by some very wonderful people today. Missy. Hello. Mike. How's it going? Tommy. Hi. And our wonderfulest guest, Liam. Yo. Wow. We are a family of creatives going through this story writing process, and we're bringing you along for the shenanigans. Hello, everyone. How are you? Hello. How is it going? What's going on in your lives? What's up? What's up with you, Amy? You sound yes, funny today. <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, you usually Sleep start the deprived? podcast with hello, but <laughs> it's, this it's uh, like it's, it keeps going. <laughs> yeah, I just in a good mood. I took a That's shower. Good. I'm clean. I'm fresh and ready to go. No, I am. I am very dirty. I have not showered. I smell very bad. So I'm showering. Yep, not smelling months. great. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as I get off this podcast, I will put some water on my body. Just a little, little bit the same. Do 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 done. <laughs> just just like a little spray, a lot of little spritz. Yeah. Uh, just like bask in the water mist, and then you're good to go. Can't go too much. Why? You can't. Why? You're gonna melt. Yeah. I don't want to oh, waste water. Okay. God, it's just me. Oh. Um. I cut my hair this week. By this week, I mean last night, and then I dyed it today. So it's looking pretty good, but I still have it up, so you guys can't see it yet because oh, no it needs to dry. But yeah, maybe that's also why I'm like feeling fresh and good. That would explain. You, it. Get- you always are bouncy after you dye your hair. Yeah, because I'm like I'm me again. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I worked, uh, I worked at Yankee Candle for a few years, and you weren't allowed to have any crazy colors in your hair, which they changed right after I left. Which I'm so upsetting spaghetti about doesn't matter but for those few year few years i felt terrible i couldn't figure it out and then when i was able to dye my hair again i'm like oh it's because i literally don't feel like me without fun colors in my hair just a fun way to express yourself and always want to be able to dye my hair fun colors you still can yeah yeah but i'm trying to get a job and i don't have the money to do that you don't need money. You need a bunch of berries. <laughs> I've tried the natural dyeing. My hair is so dark it doesn't take. I would have to bleach my hair. Yeah. Oh. I. Fair. The only reason why I can afford it is because I bought in bulk a massive mm-hmm. thing of bleach, and I've had a bunch of hair dyes for over the past years because it, you know, they last usually for forever. So just whenever I'm feeling like I need a fresh up i just do it myself which is nice so then i don't have to spend money it's just my own time and if it looks terrible i got it for free so who cares i'll just do it again next (laughs) month i'll do something different can you bleach over hair dye you can it might turn the colors funky it is a way to help fade it out there are certain bleaches that you need for lightning i i just do the real basic stuff i'm not an expert or whatever but my hair takes bleach really well um, and the colors that I use are really bright so I I usually don't have to bleach over the color too much and I mostly just color over any color I have anyways because I think it gives it a cool gradient and a cool hue like okay it unless I was going from yeah it adds so unless I've I was going from something like pink to yellow I I would want to get all of that pink out because you otherwise it's going to turn it like kind of orangey. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to get like a stark, bright, sunny yellow, then I'd have to fully ble- bleach it. But I don't want to do yellow, so it <laughs> doesn't matter. I do a lot of like cool colors. So pinks, blues, purples, 
some greens, like teals, aquamarines and stuff. So I just mix them all up and have fun with it. Very cool. Yeah. This has been Hair Time with Amy. Please, somebody else say something. It's hair art. <laughs> hair art with Amy. Mike's shaking his head as if he's never dyed it fun colors. Yeah, Mike, what kind of fun colors did you used to go for? Well, see, I dyed it reddish, but it quickly faded to pink, which I really yeah, liked when I was about like, what, 14, 15, something like that. And then mm-hmm. I dyed it blue. And then our father was like, he's never dying it again. He's such an embarrassment because he would like take me to church and I would have pink hair in like a very traditional church setting. And he was yeah. so, so embarrassed by it that he refused to let me dye my hair again. Uh, we so went I grew it out long. to visit our grandparents for Easter that year and Mike's hair had faded to pink and dad was not happy. No. No but just the perfect time for it to be pink. Yeah, all the family pictures for Easter <laughs> were oh, all. No, my child is experimenting with hair color. It must be the devil. Well, also, he was extremely concerned that the bleach was damaging you, like causing no. permanent damage. No, he was embarrassed. He was not. Oh, that's no. why I'm so dumb. It was it a bunch of bleach. things. Yeah, it, no, he, he he did not care. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. about about what effect it had on me. He cared about what effect it perceived for other people to him. He was like, I can't believe as a father you would let your child dye his hair pink. So I grew out my hair after that. I was like, well, you know what? If you won't let me dye my hair, I'm going to grow it long. And then I had long hair for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. So You look good with long hair. Yeah, no. I mean, I uh, well, I probably could have long hair again and it would look a little bit better. But I did not keep it well. You know, I just grew it out. I didn't get the split ends trimmed or anything. You know, I didn't didn't <laughs> shave and like match my hair, my facial hair up to my actual hair. So, oh, look at that! I'm sure yeah, you from could, like you gotta do here to here is all split ends. Just quick, oh, quick scissors. Next time we come over, I'll nah. fix that for you. Yeah. My long hair it is actually, the only thing I have going for me right now. So, well, but your hair actually go, grows longer when you have your split ends cut off because it'll it'll help I know, heal. Like the otherwise, your entire healing, head will slowly be crumbling split ends. It makes it, my hair fuzzier. If you're gonna go for job interviews too, <laughs> might be better with not split ends. It's the yeah, same as dyeing how, it. How can they tell? Like, I think with a good haircut versus not a haircut, you can always tell. You can tell when somebody yeah. takes care of their hair or gets it cut like freshly versus mm-hmm. it growing out naturally because you can just have your hair just naturally grow out and it's like, oh, it looks cool. But then just that small little cut, I'm not talking about cut, but like uh, getting inches off. I'm talking about trims to make sure it just looks a little bit more, you know, presentable and professional. I'll let, I'll let Amy cut the split when I, when oh, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, there you when go. I move I'll down. be the test <laughs> dummy for you. No, I'm just saying. I'm the test dummy for me. <laughs> no, I'm saying for Missy, just... I'll be the test dummy. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. And if I hate it, I'll say so. You're not. I'm not going to take like 20 I, inches. Not like, like I'm mom, like where it. she's like, "Let me just trim your hair." No, you're going to cut all my hair off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be like, cool. What are the split ends? Okay, the split ends are like two inches. Well, we're taking two inches off. That's how that works. I'll do it for you. Don't you worry. And then if it looks really terrible, I'll just pay for a new haircut for you. But it won't. Because I'm a but it won't quote, unquote, <laughs> professional. <laughs> She's a professional. I've done it so many times on my own hair. I feel like I have the skills to be able to do it on somebody else's hair. And since we're genetically, you know, related, I feel like our hair is probably <laughs> pretty similar. Genetically similar. <laughs> yeah. <I was. laughs>
You have <laughs> hair very similar to mom, whereas Tommy has hair that's a lot closer to Mike and I. That's true, yeah. I guess. And mom and I have in common that we both dye our hair a lot. Hers are just, you know, to get the grays out. Mom doesn't even yeah. care. Mine is because I have no soul. Yeah, mom, mom doesn't <laughs> feel joy somehow. Anymore, does she? No, she doesn't. She looks pretty oh, really? good in gray hair. Really? Not gonna lie. Yeah. She's, she's looking great. <laughs> oh, I didn't know she stopped dying. Good for her. Yeah. She's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care anymore. I'm gray. One of Except my favorite the- looks is like the salt and pepper so look cool. when you have darker hair, but then you're starting to get grays in. I yes. love that look. I think oh, it's so God. cool. But I know a lot of people are like, oh, no. It I doesn't mean, bother my- me having gray hair, but my gray hair just falls out. Like, it doesn't stick around. I constantly find gray hairs around, so I guess that's not bad. That problem. specific part of your head is so stressed, it just ages that <laughs> fast. It's like, <laughs> dead gone. <laughs> Get me out of here. It just jumps. It's like it can't hold say, the root or something. Oh, that is interesting. I will say, I, I haven't seen any gray hairs on my head yet, but my arms, I get a lot of gray hairs on my arms. Mm. Don't know why, but I do. Are they like the tiny silvery hairs that like everybody has like the blonde ones yeah no they're like gray hmm. they're like a different texture and everything i don't know <laughs> apparently all my stress is in my arms <laughs> she got arm stress i got arm stress <laughs> oh no anyways to move on from this riveting content so i have been playing a lot of elden ring i absolutely love it i'm very very impressed by it. i usually don't buy games on pre-order at all until reviews came in and i read the reviews and they were all like if you like skyrim and you like breath of the wild and you like the dark souls games then you should get this and i like two of the three of those because i like exploration in video games more than anything i think in life i just like exploring brand new things i like driving down new streets i've never driven down before just to see what they're like it, it brings me a slight amount of joy and i was really thinking while i was playing elden ring it does a fantastic job being an open world game but you just kind of discover stuff naturally you you look and all of a sudden you see a cave and you're like all right i'm gonna go in that cave and i don't really know what to expect in that cave besides a really hard boss fight at the end but a lot of open world games kind of fail at this completely we take a lot of the ubisoft games like the far cry series or any of the what's the the watch one called can't think of it oh watch dogs yeah sorry So you take a lot of the Ubisoft games like Far Cry or Watch Dogs, and it's kind of like, hey, here's this giant map, and we're going to throw a thousand things on the map. And then you have to just go, and you know what you're going to get at this point by the time you get there. Mm -hmm. It's this specific icon. You go around collecting, doing dumb little chores, but Elden Ring doesn't do that. That just has like an interesting location, and you go to it, and you discover it's something there. Same thing with Breath of the Wild. They very rarely had any kind of icons on the map. You would just wander around, see something interesting, and go explore. And I just wish more games did something like that, where you just, you're wandering, you see something, you go to it, you don't know what it's going to be there. Elden Ring's level design doesn't have a rule set like other games. Like you were mentioning Ubisoft. Ubisoft's rule set is like, you go to this area, you know there's going to be this specific type of enemy, and there's going to be this specific type of reward. And at the very end, you're going to capture it and make it your own. And you're going to be able to fast travel there. Elden Ring is like, if you go into a cave, you know there's probably going to be a boss. And that's the only rule set. Everything else is just something weird. It's a different type of enemy or it's a different type of exploration. It's never the exact same thing. And it always is keeping you interested. And I love that. And they're also, they don't hold your hand in this game, which I appreciate. They're just like, 
to a certain degree, it's almost a detriment to the game, especially for new players. But they're just like, go do it. Go do this. Here's here's this cool horse. Now that you have this horse, buy. Have fun. <laughs> like I love that about it. There's so much yeah. freedom and choice and exploration. And you can spend five hours in one area like I did, and then you can just spend like an hour and be like, I want to come back like Mike did. It's so much fun. I, I think in you know in stories in general, I I like the discovery aspect, and it's something that we we should probably all think about when writing a story is. When you discover those tiny little pieces as you read, it, when you're not expecting something to happen and it's something interesting that does happen, it fits along with whatever you're actually going to. It makes something a little bit more more satisfactory when you stumble upon it, when you discover it. And I feel like a lot of the blank open world video games don't tell great stories because I'm I'm just I know everything that's going to happen. I know it's going to be a collectathon. I know that just like you said there's going to be enemies at this tower and I have to climb up this tower or kill the enemies and then I unlock something and it gives me an upgrade. But this game I just I never know what to expect. I went into a cave and I saw a chest in the cave and I was like, "Oh, that is I guarantee that's a trap. It's probably like a mimic chest." So I went to go up and slash it and the floor collapsed underneath me and I fell before I could get to the chest and I was like, it even surprised me when I knew that there was a surprise there, you know. Hmm. Yeah. So it's it's stuff like that that I think really tells a story in a video game pretty well as opposed to just giving you all of the tools and directly guiding you and saying you have to go on this specific path and here's all these icons and here's all this stuff that you kind of visually overwhelm instead in elden ring i'm just like wandering around looking for the little sites of grace the little you know campfires that they have with these golden glows when i see when i get excited so it's it's a little bit it's more because i feel like i discovered it even though i know that the game developers specifically put these places in specific orders so that i would discover it but it makes me feel special for doing it. It's just been super fun. And I've only had a chance to fight, I think, two main bosses. And I know, or not main bosses, but like hard bosses, achievement bosses, we'll say. And every single one have their own unique music tied to them. And I really appreciate it. One of the bosses I fought, it didn't have typical boss music. It was very ethereal and calm. And it kind of made me calm as well during the boss fight. It was telling its own story about this specific animal, and I, I loved it because it was nothing like I've ever heard before in a boss fight. Everything they do is enhancing the player's narrative, which is really fun. It's so much fun playing the game. I love exploring in it. I think for me, the only game that I've enjoyed exploring like that were the Lego Harry Potter games. And that is because there was so many, you know, secrets to unfold in the Hogwarts castle and everything that that it was it was really fun. Now, you know, you eventually get like the little detectors that will tell you where stuff is. And then you're like, there, there was a room in here this whole time. and I didn't even find it. That's crazy. So I, I like the idea of being able to explore and roam free. But I also think that games should have maybe like a detection thing for those who are maybe not as great as finding secrets as others. I know a lot of times like Assassin's Creed, whenever I play those, I actually enjoy that they have stuff on the map because I don't know that I would thoroughly explore the map or explore different areas if they didn't have like, hey, there's a feather over here. Oh, crap. I didn't know there's. Yeah, let me go up this tower that I don't know that I would normally go up. I think 
to me, it almost kind of seems daunting that there's this whole world that you have to explore and there's secrets, secrets galore. And I love, you know, collecting all of the things and trying to get 100%. And I feel like I can't do that if I'm like, I don't know where this is. I'm driving. Where is it? So, you I, know, I get that idea. But I think it's two totally different game design philosophies. There's one that's like, hey, we're going to hold your hand and show you where to go. And that way you'll interact with the set pieces we created. But games like Breath mm. of the Wild or, you know, Skyrim, Fallout, Bethesda games in general from Elder Scrolls or Fallout series and games like Elden Ring, they do such a great level design that they don't have okay. to hold your hand. They, they will have a swampy area, and in the middle of the swamp, you'll see a tower. And you'll go, okay, I know that I want to go to that tower because it's something different. And it's, it's subtle in the way a player reacts, where they're looking for something familiar to try and orient them around a situation. But stuff like the Assassin's Creed games are fantastic for bringing out architecture of the city that they actually you know created it in or the world that they created it in. But because of that, how are you supposed to know I need to dip into this one building on the side just to collect something, you know? So a game like Assassin's oh, okay. Creed, I think you have to have detectors to let you know this is something special in this area, or you should try and look over here a little bit more. But I think games that don't have detectors and they do it really well, and that's not to say because I know the Bethesda series, once you get close enough to something, there's a little icon that appears in your compass above. So it lets you know, hey, you're kind of close to something interesting. But even then, you can just look off in the distance and go, you know what? There's like this giant bubble over there. I wonder what that is. And the, the best part about those games is when you go to a spot like that, you know you're going to be rewarded with something because every unique spot has something in it. Whereas games like Assassin's Creed just have stuff absolutely everywhere. So whether it's unique or not, it is hidden. So I think that it's just different design philosophies, but I understand the idea of you might get frustrated if you don't. I just, it's different well, styles. It's, yeah. I mean, I didn't even think about the fact that it was, yeah, Assassin's Creed is more about like the accuracy of the city compared to the intent for exploration there is intent for exploration but it's because they have things marked on the map for you to find whereas like you're saying with elden scrolls and stuff or elden, elden ring <laughs> sorry and elder scrolls like, oh, I mean, it's kind elder of the scrolls elden yeah. ring is the same thing uh, you know it is it is about exploring the land and the land and the map is very beautiful but there's it does seem like there is now that I'm thinking about it, like a lot more intent with each area of like purposely exploring all of that. Maybe maybe Assassin's Creed is almost a little too overwhelming sometimes then because of how much stuff there is that is just there for like beauty well, and yeah. to look pretty, you know? And good old collectathons are fun too. There's there's nothing wrong with them. Like I one of my favorite games from playing last year was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I mean, it's an open world game that does exactly what I don't like in open world games and has the map littered with stuff. But, you know, it was very pretty and I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed sailing around and climbing up stuff and it helped. I was taking a, a classical mythology class at the time. So I was like, oh, oh yeah, I just read about this. So, you know, that, that was yeah, good. <laughs> so it's just different game designs. It's just, it's refreshing yeah. I think I see way more Assassin's Creed style games where there's a lot of things to do, but not a lot of unique things to do. Whereas I feel like games like Breath of the Wild, 
Elder Scrolls, Elden Ring, they almost constantly have, even if, if it's a repetitive dungeon, it has something unique about it that every single area you go, oh yeah, I remember this spot when you go back and play it again. And they're yeah. the type of games that I, I will tell you this, I'll probably sink like 80 hours into Elden Ring and I probably won't even beat the game. And it may not be for a couple of years until I go back and play it a second time. And that's okay because there's so much unique stuff to explore mm. that I just like going back again and again. I've played Skyrim like five or six times and I beat it once or twice, you know, but <laughs> oh, yeah, I just, I've only I, beat Skyrim once. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love yeah. going and playing and exploring things more than I like actually completing the story. But that's just me. I mean, it's kind of like Minecraft in a way where yep. you don't actually have to beat Minecraft in order to enjoy and replay Minecraft over and over and over again. It's a fun game and it's unique in and of itself. Yeah. And there's a lot that you can do. Think about that. When you're playing Minecraft, a lot of times you're just wandering around and then you just see a cool biome or a cool cave or okay, something. That is and true. you go, that is fun. whoa, <laughs> I want to go explore that. And then you just like wander off and get totally lost in the world. It's it's. Yep. And inevitably die. Yeah, of course. Lose all your stuff and like, crap. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Liam, I know that you were playing Elden Ring. Is it Elden Ring or Elden Rings? Ring. 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 Okay. So, Liam, I know that you were playing Elden Ring, but you did not like it, right? Um, it was all right. It was a little hard. I understand it. I went in there. I made a character. And then I, um. Hold on. You didn't got, just make a character. <laughs> you kind of skipped over that part. Like. Yeah. He spent uh, about an hour playing the game, and about 45 minutes of that was the character creator. Maybe a little <laughs> And he made the most monstrous, mon- monstrous, monstrous, monstrosity. Monstrous monstrosity. Yeah. It was, it was really bad. It was fantastic. It was a great character, and I'm very proud of the way it turned out. I have to say the first thing that happened, well, the first thing I knew was going to be like, this is going to be a different game was I didn't know how to get out of the starting area. It was like this big thing that like goes up and I went around it and I thought it was a trap. I didn't know how to go up. It was pretty much an elevator. All I had to do was walk onto it, but I was scared of it. <laughs> and then I walked out of there and I saw the beautiful world. I saw this big, really big guy on a really big horse. And I was like, that guy looks kind of friendly, right? And Tommy said, yeah, he's friendly. And so I walked up to it to say hi, thinking, oh, maybe he's got a mission for me. Uh, maybe it's a sign of something. First thing this thing does is swing at me and then chase me into a church while destroying it. And I was like, okay, this this isn't right. And so next group of people I see, I'm like, they're friendly. And they start like, just start throwing shit at me. And I'm like, this game isn't very friendly. I don't know how I feel about it. So then I saw a really big tree and I went to it and nothing happened. So I was like, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) I just, one of my favorite things about all Elden Ring is the balls of the developers. They're just like, yeah, let's just put a really hard boss right in front of where you, you, you come out to see the open world. And then furthermore, let's put some of our coolest loot behind hidden areas. Like they just want you to explore. I guess this leads me to a question to more towards Emi and Liam, do you think Elden Ring should be more accessible to you guys? Like, because I know you don't like this game. Is this a game you would want to like play if it was slightly easier? Um, no, but I also don't think that it should be easier. I think uh, the staple of like the Dark Souls games and everything, it's the idea of 
they are very difficult and you have to learn the game mechanics and the combat mechanics in order to beat these bosses. And it's like a learning experience all throughout the game. And although that is not a kind of game that I enjoy, I understand that a lot of people actually really do love that. So they love it for what it is. And I think that this, you know, brings new aspects and new mechanics to the game. And I think it should stay as it is. It's just not something that I would be willing to play, but I'm having fun watching you guys play it. But I don't think it should change or be accessible or easier. I think there's a lot of people who want it to be easier because they want to play something like that. But I, it's like, you know, someone painting a piece of artwork and you going, but I'm like, well, I don't really like purple. Could you maybe paint it like more green? Like it, it doesn't make sense. You're not going to appreciate the artwork if it was not what it is. Like it, it is what it is and that's okay. And I think that, you know, games like those, although I personally am not going to buy that piece of artwork, I'm not going to examine that piece of artwork. I can confirm like, yeah, it's a piece of artwork and you guys did a good job and there are other people who appreciate it and it's just not for me and that's all right. So I wouldn't want them to change it. I think they... They made a great game from what it from what it seems like. It's just it's just not a game I'm personally interested in. I like how hard it is. What I don't like is the mechanics, like the keyboard. It's very hard, very difficult to use on a keyboard. Also, yep. I don't like like the looting system. I'm thinking to myself, like, where's the loot? Where to loot at? I kill a guy, there's nothing there. I talk to a guy, I don't even know what I'm looking at. You know, I'm just I'm just picking up some random like berries or stuff and I'm just very confused. But other than that, it seems pretty good. It looks really nice. It looks really great. It's a very pretty game. I don't think its graphic fidelity is like on par with some of the new Assassin's Creed, but I think it takes a very wonderful art direction. Yeah, like, its art direction works. It works so well. It's very pretty. I would rather have good art direction than good graphics any day in yeah. just about any video game. So I have not had the problems that a lot of PC players are having. I do. I am using a controller and I totally get that frustration. The oh, fact yeah. that when you're on the title screen and it says push any key and you can't just push any key, you have to push like one of very specific keys is ridiculous. You know, you, sh you should just be able to push any key because it says it. The fact that you have a, a really difficult time using mouse and keyboard as opposed to a controller. I totally get those. And I know some people are having really bad frame drops and stuttering issues. Again, I get that. But if those are the only problems, I've not experienced them. I will say in terms of the game difficulty, I am very, very glad they do not have a lower difficulty on this. As somebody personally who would probably choose the easier difficulty because I only have so many hours in my life and I kind of want to just explore and have fun. I've found the higher difficulty much more satisfying when I do beat a boss or when I do get to an area or figure out a way through it. And dying multiple times has actually been fun to try and figure out ways around. So I am glad that there is no easy mode because it would be a different game that I would then probably enjoy a lot less but that's my personal preference missy what's your favorite dark souls game that you've played i don't know what dark Souls. oh my goodness it would i mean i've heard of it but of i game. i couldn't point it out i don't know what so. i if i know anything that you like in games it's combat time and time again you love combat and dark souls Oh, it's radiating in combat. There's so much combat everywhere, Miss. You'd love it. I play peaceful mode in Minecraft. That's my <laughs> kind of gameplay. I Minecraft play game. peaceful mode in Raft. Like, I don't enjoy combat. I think it holds back a game. Now, if combat is the whole point of the game, then so be it. 
I'm obviously not the target audience for this game you guys are playing, and that's fine, and I'm glad you are enjoying it. For me, I would enjoy that game for the world exploration, the finding hidden gems and stuff, but like the bosses and all that just completely turns me off to it. So if it were just a world explanation, collect things, build a base or build a village or build something, I would enjoy. You like creation, not destruction. Correct. (laughs) I like to build something, not tear something down. But I also, I think, as far as combat goes, like the most combat I'm willing to endure is the the Lego games. I really enjoy those because I can play them on a controller and just barely handle the combat in them. Uh, and I love all the little hidden gems they have. All the little secret rooms, all the little secret things that you have to find. They just tons of um, Easter eggs all over the place referencing other games. I really enjoy that. And Amy, I think you said something about like collecting the they have all these little like not power ups but collect. things you or can detectors do detectors and stuff yeah. yeah so part of like completing the game is collecting enough studs to buy all of those things but for the most part i don't turn them on there's only like two of them i ever turn on i never turn on the detector because like it's just telling me where to go find the hidden thing i like having I like the challenge of having to find it. It's its own kind of puzzle. I like puzzly type things. And You're that's a what better the woman than are. me. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where it is. I'm turning this on. Yeah, no, I've spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours trying to find a single thing because it's, that's to me that that is the challenge. Mm-hmm. But like if I have to spend five minutes battling something, forget it. I'm done. You know what thing you are turning on, though, in the new Star Wars? What? Mumble mode. Oh, absolutely. The yeah. having having voices in the the Lego games ruined the games for me. I stopped buying them when they start having characters talking. So the fact that they have mumble mode, love it. Bring that back. Just the little guttural noises. <laughs> Although so again, I'm not into like well, I don't I don't like cutscenes and stuff, so like I tune out when the cutscenes come anyways, but it's even less. Yeah. I don't want any. I don't want any of the characters talking to me in any of my games. <laughs> if you're talking to me, go away. I'm trying to solve a puzzle. I'm trying to build something. Leave me alone. I have a very specific style of game that I like. And teach their own puzzles. Yeah. Puzzles, exploration, city builder. I I think thinking about it that way, just like you, you really like your even with like the Lego games. That's like the most mm-hmm. combat you'll you'll go for i would not yeah. like to play a lego game that had really difficult combat that would be very yeah, unfun no. to me yeah so i think when game developers make a game and they make a commitment to a specific style and it's a successful game there's obviously a reason for that it's probably because mm-hmm. you don't need every game to do everything for everybody because exactly, there are so yeah. many great games out there it's just like there's... any piece of media you write or you know music that you you create or whatever Exactly. Not everybody has to enjoy it, but make it the best that you can make it, right? Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. knowing your target audience and being faithful mm-hmm. to that target audience is important. You cannot please everyone with every piece of media or art you do, so don't try to. Figure out who you want to make that thing for, even if it's just making it for yourself. But figure out who you want to make that thing for and stick with it. Don't try to play all the different genres. Just pick that core thing, have a couple of supporting things, and go for it. You're going to be a lot more successful. 
Yeah. Not yeah. not to deter experimentation, though. I don't think no. that's what you were saying. Yeah. No, yeah no, feel no, free no, to gosh, experiment no. and try different things as you yeah. go. But yeah, if you figure out something that you're really good at, just be good at it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. As long as yeah. you're pouring your you're pouring this into your like you are passionate about it. I think that's mm-hmm. what makes games like these good. People are yeah. passionate about what they're making and then they continue to fine tune how good they are at it. And mm-hmm. a lot of times when you make a game for everyone, like you were saying, Missy and Mike, like just just becomes yeah. not fun. They try to do a little bit of everything. Well, when you try to please everybody, you wind up pleasing nobody. Yep. Yeah. Because no one's going to be satisfied when you've got 10 different things. Seven different themes, directions of the game, but you're only doing it to a shallow degree. Yeah. You gotta go like really strong in the core things that you wanna do. So you probably would like more what they call cozy games, which is like this stuff where it's like farming or crafting or building or, you know, building. What's, what's the game that we're currently playing? Stardew Valley. Yeah. Stardew Valley is considered a cozy game. I enjoy that because I'm. It's a game I actually get to play with you guys. There's a yeah. lot of like interacting with characters. What are they? The NPCs. 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 Thank you. And that, that's kind of boring. But I, I'm just like because it's one of the only things I can actually play with you guys. That's what makes me enjoy it. Games are almost always better together. Yeah, oh, exactly. absolutely, absolutely. I like challenging games. It's just I'm usually looking for more of a m- mentally challenging game, like to have to really exercise those juices rather than a I have to learn how to execute this skill, this skill, and this skill, and these combinations perfectly or else mm. I have to start over. Like, yeah. I don't enjoy that. Yeah, no, that's totally okay especially when there's a lot of luck to that like okay the luck of drawing cards or the luck of certain researching aspects that's fine but the luck of i didn't hit my thumb at just the right time or i did hit it at just the right time and the monster just didn't die anyways there's no challenge to that it's just i don't know it's a different type of challenge yeah, I don't understand yeah. the appeal of it, but again, I'm not the target audience. So, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just imagine like new research developers coming. Now, Missy, out of this combat game, what do you want since you're our number one target audience? Crafting. I want the option for peaceful <laughs> mode. <laughs> yeah. Actually, can so you imagine in, like an Elden Ring, like, but just peaceful? Well, yeah, just, just exploring, exploring the world. So, I would love that. I, I believe that the the new Assassin's Creed trilogy that's kind of come out, like Origins and Odyssey, they have a peaceful world. You can walk around the entire world and do everything without any combat just to explore it, which is wow. really cool. Oh, they, that's fun. Uh, that I know that they cool. definitely had it for odyssey so you can explore ancient greece recreated just for fun there's like there's tour modes where you can go to like you know to different arenas and stuff and take a look around them it's it's a really cool thing that apparently some teachers have used in classes to get people interested so that is pretty dope yeah now okay when it comes to storytelling whether it's you reading a book miss e this one's directed at you or like watching a show or a movie or whatever how do you feel about combat then i often tune out like i'm playing on my phone i get up to go to the bathroom and tell liam not to pause the video (laughs) i'm frequently not paying attention because it's just like there's nothing new to see unless they have something like some kind of special effect that's clever and you know never been done before it's just the same old same old but different characters different vehicles different swords yeah i'm not not really into combat 
So in a story that you would write, would you try to avoid any kind of conflict or or like physical conflict? Yeah, I'm not in combat. I'm probably never going to write political. Like it's going to be, you know, psychological combat, suspense, maybe verbally smacking people down. But I'm not ever going to write a physical altercation. I'll allude to them, but I'm not actually going to write the details out. Interesting. All right. They got ready for combat. Giant battle happened and the aftermath was that sort of thing. Say that again. Uh, basically, you're saying that you would kind of allude to it. So if you're writing something where there was a war in there, you'd be like, and then they fought and then like skip to the where that it was like, maybe and it this, might. this troop became victorious. <laughs> like, it might be. <laughs> it might be more along the lines of talking about how something happened in the past. OK, yeah, like so and so got mugged. Or this great kingdom, after fighting through the blah, blah, blah war, came out victorious, and now they're establishing whatever. It's not that I'm going to say, like, build up to something and then be like, and it happened, moving on. Like, that yeah, that just too. wouldn't work. Yeah, there, yeah. So, I, thinking about it, if you have a movie that has lots of combat, fighting, any kind of thing like that, it does get a little tedious. There's oftentimes, especially if I'm going back and watching like an action-packed movie and I just want to learn about the characters, I will zone out as well. It's happened a lot on more recent Marvel stuff as well, where I just yes. I'm like, I don't really oh care. Just tell me what happens so with the much. characters. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but thinking about it, the director I like the most for not the most, but one of the ones I really like for combat is actually Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Yeah, because I knew the you were gonna combat say that. <laughs> ends almost immediately as like as soon as it starts it's over but it's that tension and build up that he always does mm. before yes. him <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah uh, so you know in glorious bastards when you have that bar mm-hmm. scene it is such an amazing amount of tension building up in the bar scene and you're going oh no this is going to be bad and the combat is over in like four or five seconds like it's, well, it's yeah. very it's realistic so it's Everyone yeah. pulls their guns out. They're all staring each other down. Everyone mm-hmm. fires their guns off, and then that's it. Like they fired their guns off. They're not going to realistically yep. keep having a a shootout that's going to go on for twenty minutes because they've all shot their bullets. Most people are dead. If you if you have not seen the Hateful Eight, it also does a really good job of that building up yes. tension and then very quick release. Yes, I I didn't think that movie had much of a real plot to it. It was all just how much intense short violence bursts we can have in it so i didn't enjoy that movie as much i love inglorious bastards i think it's a great film because i i love alternate history but yes combat scenes like that i when i think of combat i tend to think of long drawn out fights Mm -hmm. which are just boring it's like okay realistically one of you is going to tire out or one of you is going to land a punch or a bullet, or a sword stab. I just watched uh, Kingsman, which is the third in the trilogy, which is like a prequel. And there's one fight scene in there. I'm not going to spoil it for you guys, but I thought it was so well done because they did have that sort of like tension buildup that was very interesting and unique. And then the fight itself, because you knew something was going to go go wrong with like the mission they were going to do, and he didn't realize like the fight was going to go the way it was. I know that's really vague, but it was it was a very unique and clever way to do combat, how they did it. And in a world with Marvel explosions and blah, 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 it was a very simple fight and it was really, really well done. And of course, like a lot of their fight scenes are filmed fantastically. And so it's I actually really enjoyed watching 
the the movie for that. Actually, a few of their fight scenes in the the third movie was really really good. So I really enjoyed those kind of com combat scenes. But I was gonna say the combat scenes that I enjoy the most are when the music notes and beats it align with like the punches or swords crossing kind of moments like in Pirates of the Caribbean when Jack and Will are fighting for the first time just like the ching 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 but it like aligns up with the perfect the music perfectly and it just like makes it I don't know way more fun I feel like I get invested more in those kind of combat scenes than I would in others because it it feels like it flows better that way whereas a lot of times where it's just music over top of it that's like intense. You're like, okay, yeah, it kind of is muddled. I can tune it out. But when it's like flows with that music, I feel like it makes the movie flow even better. Yeah. Or the, the it's, story. It's a sign of a good composer who can make the music fit the scene, especially if you can line it up with very precise things like sword hits. Yeah. Which I think that they actually created the music once they watch the scene. Yeah, that's how it's almost how all film composing is done. Is that okay, well, the, the typically what happens is you might give all of your raw footage to an editor and the editor might have a temp track to try and go for something that they can use as a template to try and get down the idea of what the music is going to be afterwards. But an editor will put together the scene how they want it. Specifically, like the director can say, I want to edit it this way. And then the composer goes in afterwards and they write all of the music based upon the, the footage that they see. And if you think about how complex that is and how much of a skill that takes, it is incredible. Because like you're saying, with those sword fights going king, 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 they had to time out, okay, it takes half a second between this and then it takes, you know, 40 or like 0.4 seconds between this hit and another half a second between this hit. So what we need to do is we need to have the tempo go at, you know, 180 BPM and then 170 and then back to 180. And they have to then compose all of their music around those tempo changes, around the action changes. So it's, it's such an in-depth thing to get a composer to take a look at a picture and then say, how am I going to write music for this? And if you ever really want a masterclass on that, uh, John Williams, if you look at anything that he has written and you just listen to the music, you go, this is kind of chaotic. I don't really understand what's going on, especially like action music. But then once you watch it to the picture, it lines up perfectly. and It tells a story within the picture. Sorry. No, was, was was just beautiful. a little fun fact about John Williams. I do love how this man he's he's such a wonderful composer. He doesn't have like tempos or click tracks or a metronome with him. He all by ear, essentially. Like he knows it by heart. That's how good of a composer he is. Like, yeah, I know what uh, 125 is BPM. That's, that's pretty easy. What? You wizard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a true rare talent. And if I guess he's had like over 70 Oscar nominations in his life, which is either the most or the second most of anybody. If I had to guess good freaking music. Yeah. He'll go down in history as one of the great composers of all time. Oh, for sure. And I I mean that like you can compare him to Bach or Beethoven or Mozart. Oh, absolutely. You know, in 200 years, you'll also have John Williams or (laughs) it'll just be Williams or something, you know? So. Yeah, his music is so distinct. You're like, oh, okay, John Williams. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. you hear Beethoven play. You're like, oh, yeah, that's Beethoven. Or I get them all mixed up because I don't know anything. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you can tell, like, oh, okay, that's clearly, like, 
that is a piece of music that is so well known and so beloved it's surpassed time and i feel like his music has done that as well like the jurassic park theme is so good and it's just one of those things where you hear you instantly like bah, 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 bah. <laughs> i mean maybe not you know like, no, he, no. he's got control over melody yeah, right. and rhythm and separating individual sections and using a lot of really cool orchestration techniques I mean, John Williams, to me, is his horns. He loves, loves some good horns. And he specifically does, like, chords with horns very fast. So Star Wars is a great example where you can... You know, it's like horns that are playing this rising chord together and going back down. It's not just a single note. It's it's either a harmony that's going on or a chord, and it's, you know... He he does it so well. It's it's annoying that I know I'll never be anything close to John Williams, and I don't think anybody else really ever will. Yeah, they are really good composers. But remember, like we said last time, don't compare yourself to others because mm-hmm. he's like what eighty years old and have like a million oh, years. No, no, he's, to compose things. He's, uh, ninety or ninety one now. A ninety years and still. Yeah. So he's had <laughs> still so, so, so many years, yeah. and that's okay. How many? How long have you really been composing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not trying to compare myself to him. It's just I know that if that is the type of music that I want to create, he is already the master of it. So instead of trying to compare myself to him, I'm going to make stuff that I like. And then maybe I'll have my own style and I'll have Mm -hmm. my own things that I can get better at. I'm not I don't want to be John Williams is is what I'm saying. I want to be myself, but I I get annoyed at knowing how proficient and how excellent he is. at some of the things Mm -hmm. that I wish I was better at. I use yeah. him to learn as opposed to be like, why can't I be John Williams? Because, you know, <laughs> if you like playing football and you're like, hey, uh, Tom Brady is the best. I want to be Tom Brady. You probably will never be Tom Brady because he's one of those like absolute greats. I don't really even play football, but you know, it's that sort of thing. You learn what he did well and then try and copy it onto your own game, I guess. There you go. I, I thought of something with music lining up with. Yeah. Do it. With the visual, very different though. The opening credit theme music to House of Cards shows various scenes from Washington, D.C., and they have a few moments in there where the music, certain flares that are happening in the music, exactly lines up with certain things that they're showing. So, for example, they have an electric guitar that's just strumming out like a single strum but really intense just as a train is shooting across the screen the screen and another moment where they have drums tapping i don't know if it's snare drums or or tom toms or whatever the call i I don't know drums but it's a very flat sounding drum single tap very intense at the exact moment that they turn all of the mega lighting system on over national stadium And they've got a lot of little moments like that in the opening sequence where the music is specifically designed to enhance whatever clip they're showing of the city. And I think they do a phenomenal job of it because it really amps up like your feelings about the show as it's kicking in. So I'll definitely have to go back and listen to that. I I watched the first three or four seasons of that show and I remember enjoying the intro, but I, you know, I guess now that I can focus on how is it composed, I probably will pick up all of those things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it really makes a, a little... massive difference if you yeah. 
Well, you if start you, like listening for things. Yes. You know what to yeah. listen for. I, I, I'll say this. Tommy and I are working on some of the final music for our production of The Cursing Tree, which we've written. And we do have a lot of those moments in there where we try to line up the music to an audio narrative to give you just a little bit of an extra flair. So I'm sure once we release that, you guys will, will very much see what we were kind of inspired by, by taking those little moments to just heighten the overall story as opposed to overshadowing it. Yes, because those moments that we designed, we wanted it to be like, oh, look, the narration and music are working together, not against. It's not two separate tracks playing at once. It's one track playing together. And that's what we're trying to go for. And those little moments, like I just watched this opening credit and it was really nice seeing that exact moment you described, Missy, with the little guitar flare going by with the train. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a very, 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 very subtle touch, but it feels like mm-hmm. the music's working with the intro. It enhances so. the video in a way that you don't, you don't really notice unless you know what to look for. Exactly. Well, wonderful. What a great conversation this was, talking about combat and VG games. You're so what weird. nice time <laughs> just gonna throw it out there <laughs> okay that's my mo though whatever i know i am acknowledging your mo and saying you're fucking weird <laughs> i mean i Get didn't wrecked. say that i did not say i'm that. saying that <laughs> all, all right guys well thanks so much for joining us today we really appreciate it No, but really, we do appreciate you guys using your time to listen to us and experience all of our shenanigans. Thank you so much. We would love to hear from you. What kind of games are you interested in? Are you a combat goer? Are you a puzzle goer? What's going on? Tell us what you enjoy. So if you do want to reach out to us, we are on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. We are 1L2N Productions. And if you like what we're doing and you want to show your love and support, head on over to our Patreon. And the last word of the day goes to... New die, by the way. Mm. Liam! Take it away. Elden Ring could have been better. (laughs) 